listening to The Cubecast. Alrighty. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Cubecast. We're here today with uh, Tyler Harder from Empire Parkour. Um, Hello. How you doing? Good, man. How are you guys? I'm doing really good, man. Thanks okay. for being on the show. Of course. Glad to yeah. Be so um, let's just jump into it here with our, you know, start with the basics. Do it. Um, when did you get into parkour and what, uh, what got you interested in it? I actually thought about this recently because I was rewriting my bio on our website all of our coaches have their own little bio i had to like figure out yeah. how many years i've actually been doing this oh, yeah. yeah so i still don't know exactly when i started i think it was late 07 or early 08 that sounds then, right right somewhere because it was shortly after i graduated high school in 07 and yeah. at that point i would have been like super interested in parkour seeing it in movies i had watched district 13 like Oh yes, on repeat by then. Yeah, <laughs> so good. But I never really had like an outlet to try it other than just like climbing stuff for the park. Um, so every like couple of months, I would Google parkour Saskatoon or something to see if anyone was doing it here. There was like a couple guys doing it, but I, I don't know. It just weirded me out. I didn't really know what they were doing. Mm. And then eventually, I saw that there was a gym called Modus Gym. No affiliation with the Modus Project. <laughs> but that's where tom and his brother mark were running classes so i called the gym like that day and Hmm. inquired about it and they told me to come check it out i know yeah kind of it the rest is history like i went like two days later and took my first class with those guys and i just like never stopped That's how it starts. Funny, I, I, I definitely remember getting that call because I think you're maybe one of the only people to actually call about it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was pretty early on. It was, mm. it was pretty close to us actually when we first started that. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, it was like early spring, late winter. Like it still was kind of crappy outside. Yeah. And I guess that would have been, uh, yeah, geez early 2008 for sure i think, I think it was early 08 now that i'm thinking about it yeah because that's when i i would have moved there at, right well after high school um so you two are about the same age yeah i think i'm older by like a month Ooh. yeah it's not very much <laughs> yeah the, the old people old people now um yeah so you watched district 13 and all that did you already see like jump britain jump london before starting parkour uh, like- no i didn't start watching that stuff until after i started but i'd seen like those early parkour videos like all like force love yeah old video. like i remember seeing that even before youtube was a thing yeah right. and, that, <laughs> and, that, and that brother's journey video with chase and oh Arm. yeah those two videos i remember seeing distinctly on like early video platforms i don't even remember what they were called but it was definitely before youtube they, yeah. they kind of like made the viral hits on like e-bombs world and weird websites <laughs> like that yeah and like huh. it, it always showed up in like different parts of pop culture like i remember seeing it referenced in other shows like i don't even i don't even know anymore it was so long ago yeah you uh, know royale was obviously a big one that because that came out oh. a couple of years before i started and that just blew my mind <laughs> 
And then I, later, I learned later that Sebastian Foucault was like the guy that invented tree running. I didn't learn that until after I started parkour that that's who that guy was. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, damn, that's actually like the, one of the founders of tree running. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. So between that and District 13, like those yeah. two were probably like the two biggest early influences to get started. <laughs> probably for a lot of people yeah. too. Like I know a lot of people that saw at least people in this part of the world. Yeah. I know that in Europe and the UK seeing like jump on it and jump Britain, those are pretty big. Yeah. Which is early on for people. And, and back then too, the, the sources of inspiration for people were a lot more limited. <laughs> no, really. yeah. Now, yeah. you know, there was like a handful of things that you would have seen that got you into it. Yeah, totally. And, and where to practice it too. Right. Like you just see someone mm -hmm. do it and then you're like, okay, like, you're so shit scared to talk to them and like, how do you learn how to do this? Because you think they're just some kind of superhero that does this in their free time. Right. <laughs> and the yeah. next thing, you know, like, table. yeah. And then now you're that superhero and everyone's so shit scared to talk to you because like, you know? <laughs> they're not scared to talk to you when they yell you to do a flip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> so speaking of the history of uh, your training, everything, did you, uh, and I don't know if you listened to Mark's episode and he had mentioned the Love Pirates. Yeah, I did listen to Mark's and I do yeah. remember. The Love yeah. I admit, there were some of the things that came up when I Googled it first because I think they had a couple of videos on Facebook or something. Yeah. You guys kind of sketched me out. <laughs> they were like jumping off parking garages and stuff. Mm. Are those I guys did still around? I, I don't know. I did eventually train with them a little bit. Yeah. They came to this massive club eventually and I kind of realized who they were and I ended up training with them a couple of times, but they, they were not in it for the same reasons I was in it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they did definitely didn't stick around as long. I think they got kids now. So I think they, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, <laughs> coming up on, uh, what, 13 years ago, 14 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time ago. Yeah, a lot has transpired since. So, um, what is the boat parkour that drew you into it initially? I, I hear this a lot now from a lot of kids that come to our gym. Yeah. It was just like team sports just didn't work. For them. Mm -hmm. Right. Just like didn't click. And I was kind of like that. I played soccer and I kind of enjoyed it, but just like I never got to the point where I was really looking forward to do it. Uh, same thing with basketball. Tried that, didn't really stick with it. Um, I did a bit of rec gymnastics when I was like ten or eleven, and I really liked it. But I only I found I only liked the parts where they just let me do whatever I want. I did the, <laughs> the regimented part. So I kind of just sat on it for a while. And then as I got older and saw parkour as like maybe a possibility, it just drew me to it. Like growing up watching kung fu movies as a kid non-stop jackie chan movies when i was a kid like <laughs> always attracted to that kind of movement it yeah just, it like didn't have to think about it like that's the thing i want to go do so yeah jackie chan actually now yeah. that's probably my earliest influence if we're going well, for back sure. to that. i remember watching those movies when i was like four or five years old yeah i'm yeah. seeing this dude run up a wall and like what, and the, hell? what the hell is that he made that stuff look like no problem Oh, yeah. Uh, I would agree too. I don't know how I got started, but I think it was some kind of inspiration. Just sitting back in a movie theater watching Jackie Chan do something, or mm -hmm. 
even loan the matrix and being like, how does one, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know half of it's fake, but how does one do some things like that? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like, is that, like, it's possible, right? People are doing it. Right. So like, how does yeah. one do that? Like you get out of fast and the furious and you want to get in your car and start. Rah, rah, right? <laughs> At least I do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. I like the matrix for sure. And like, inspired a lot of people towards hardcore. Mm -hmm. yeah like martial arts movies in general just with a lot of their like acrobatic stunts but that, was, that was pretty big so i basically just me wanting to emulate that stuff i think is what drew me to parkour because it's kind of the first thing you see when you see parkour is like the acrobatic flip side of it or like yeah. the high level climbing or whatever you don't really see a lot of the ground level stuff at first even though that's like that makes up most of the sport yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 people people i think underestimate how much it actually makes up it's like all on ground level up there all the time and they're like hey i'm gonna learn a backflip today sorry bud not today yeah so i know talking like from a lot of our previous guests on here that you know the reasons why they stick around from parkour or in parkour changed a lot over the years yeah uh is that the same for you too like do you think is it still just yeah, the... i think so like for me it was like something and like an alternative form of fitness like i can go do my job whatever it happens to be and then instead of just going to the gym after work i can just go do parkour instead and that's kind of how it started it was like a purely recreational thing for me right and probably for the first two or three years it was kind of like that mm -hmm. um but as youtube kind of took over more videos started coming out i started seeing more and more of it it was becoming more of my daily life just seeing it online right and then once i went to europe for the first time and it was like my first jam oh yeah this big jam in paris that urban Whoa. was hosting at the time and i just like had to go so I went and checked that out, and that's kind of where it changed for me. Yeah. Like Kai Willis was there. I'm seeing, <laughs> seeing that guy do jumps he was doing, like, kind of blew my mind. Yeah. Like, after that trip, I got home when I was like, I'm like committing to this. I also just met lots of cool people on that trip. So that's sort of when like the community kind of opened up, the community aspect of it. Mm hmm. So that I'm still friends with now. Like, met, I met Scott Bass, Ampy Sound on YouTube on oh, that yeah. trip. I had, like, awesome. I, had, I had discovered his videos a few months before that, and they were like the best videos I'd ever seen at that point. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, like like that's what parkour. That's what it looks like to me. That's what I wanted parkour to look like for me. Yeah, I, I remember like finding his email on his website and messaging him and like asking him if he was going to be around any of these spots in Europe the same time I was. And that's when I found out about that big Paris jam. You told me he was going to be there, so I found him there. <laughs> That's sick. Wow. Yeah, Scott, in those videos, like, he did such a good job of just capturing the essence of mm -hmm. parkour jam. Going like that late, late 2000s, early 2010s, yeah. like, the vibe of parkour was very different than it is now. And I think, like, it's like a time capsule going back and watch that. Yeah. The baggy sweats in the Kalenjis. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> We're baggy sweats. I, I went back re recently and rewatched a couple of those really old ones, and they're yeah. still they're 
just good to watch. Yeah, yeah. actually, um, I was uh, checking out your profile on Instagram, and uh, you mentioned uh, Cambridge Joy. Yeah. And I've, I've never watched that one. I went back to look at it. I'm like, wow, I just got like big fan fave, like all over. Like, I was just mm. like, oh, here we go. Going to go down a rabbit hole. Thank you. I, for used that. Watch, <laughs> I used to watch the video on repeat. I would watch that and then I would go train for like two or three hours. That was all oh, I needed. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good inspiration. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. So that like obviously media became like a big part of your life and that's something that you got into a lot more yourself mm -hmm. did you were you into like photography and everything before parkour i was i just didn't know how to like get started or get into it i had right. done a bit of photo studies in in high school mm. um, but it never really like transpired to anything else and then as soon as like parkour videos started taking off on youtube yeah that's like again that's what i want to make like right. i want to make those so like again i messaged scott bass and i was like yeah. what kind of camera do i need to film like this and he told me the exact camera he got so i did yeah. my research saved up the money ended up buying it and that was like 2010 2011 and i bought it and just started filming my own stuff at that point that was after you and mark had already moved away yeah so and no one else was training <laughs> like for a while we had Josh Rideout training and his friends and I had yeah. no I didn't know where they went or if they were still training. So for like a, a couple of years it was kind of just me. Yeah. I had like forced my brother to come out and film stuff for me, but like he didn't really have any interest in it. He was just he was just stuck there cuz he's my brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Forcing my brother to There you go. Me. Yeah. Forcing that. <laughs> Taking your uh, expensive camera and forcing him to fil film you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so those like early videos are pretty like pretty crude, as anybody's early parkour videos are. They're oh man, pretty cringy. <laughs> uh, but being able to go back and watch my own stuff was pretty cool, and like see how my technique was. And this was before smartphones were even a thing. You couldn't just yeah. film it on the spot because we're going back a decade here. Yeah. How do you imagine life without smartphones now, especially with relation to parkour? Mm. Oh. Um, but like so at that time parkour videos had just started coming out in like really high quality like people were starting, were starting to use dslrs which is what i just bought to film like hd parkour videos hd was like right. the big thing mm -hmm. so i really wanted to make this like really attractive looking parkour videos like things that just looked looked pretty were filmed really well i mean i'm, I'm still trying to achieve that <laughs> <laughs> i know right yeah <laughs> um yeah, just it just wanting to make my own content was always something I wanted to do, whether it was parkour or not. I was really interested in like filmmaking in high school, wanting to make my own movies and stuff, and that that kind of just led to me making my own parkour videos. And it wasn't until later I got into like the photography side of it. Okay. Like I I started with video first. I really right. wanted a video, and then photography kind of came later. Yeah, I, I think I'll probably enjoy. Like, shooting parkour photos more than video now at this point oh interesting yeah like yeah. It's, once you figure out once you've been around parkour enough and like you know, especially people you train with you kind of figure out that those like, exact moments you need to take that shot to go the perfect air form that kind of thing right like once you once you nail that it's like pretty addictive yeah that's i think 
in general, any parkour person will probably take a better picture of parkour than a non-parkour person. Uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I so wish Red Bull would hire parkour-related like filmmakers for their art of motion. Oh yeah. A lot of times I've seen a, a camera guy get in the way of a run all the time. Yeah. It makes me so mad to see that. Like, like fly me out. Pay me to do it. It's like I'll do it. Yeah. Don't even pay me. Just fly me out there and I'll do it. <laughs> And with the equipment nowadays, uh, yeah, that's so much easier than getting in the way. Um, <laughs> like any PC, like that's all parkour people, right? Right? Like, yeah, did well, the camera work for that? Yeah, I like. I pretty much volunteered to do it. I got to go into the oh, nice. for, for free, but yeah. it was awesome to be a part of the event, a little more behind the scenes that way, and just see how like a yeah. live stream works. Mm-hmm. And it was super fun. Like, I it was hard work, but I'd totally do it again. It was really fun. Yeah, because yeah. I guess you can kind of track people. Like you, yeah. you'll you'll know the route better than a, well, someone who doesn't do parkour. So we got the, all the camera people got to go in early while the athletes were practicing. So I yeah. got to see all the crazy stuff these guys were planning, <laughs> like all these game changing tricks people are about to throw. I saw them yeah. practicing these before they did it in the actual competition. Yeah. So like in the competition, we all had all the camera guys had headsets. Mm-hmm. We were getting with each other and with the people running like the switchboard to switch the cameras. Oh, yeah. Like me and the other camera guy, Jeremiah, uh, he was on the floor with a gimbal and I was like up high on a tripod. Yeah. Awesome. If we, if we knew like one of the specific athletes coming up was about to do something cool, we'd say switch to this camera right now. <laughs> we knew like coming up was going to be pretty cool. And like that's something that they would not have gotten if they didn't have like hardcore athletes as their camera guys. Mm hmm. Yes, uh, I hope, uh, you know, obviously Red Bull has a lot of uh, influence and stuff. It would be good if they actually did start. I mean, it's a whole other way to support a parkour community, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hiring all the actual athletes and people oh, and you're, involved. You're seeing so many more people come out of like the creative side of parkour now. Mm-hmm. Being involved with parkour, while not necessarily being an athlete or at least a high-level athlete, you can still contribute in another way, making content for people taking pictures at events, that kind of thing. Making podcasts. Making podcasts. <laughs> making clothes, anything, honestly. Yeah. Everything. Anything related yeah. to it. Yeah, absolutely. So with uh, all, like media stuff, did you, are you fairly self-taught with that then? Like just learning through trial and error or? Yeah, I'm like pretty much all self-taught, whether that's like to my detriment or not. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anything formally learned would have taught me how to film parkour specifically you can learn filming techniques yeah. like from anywhere but applying them to parkour is different just because it's kind of its own weird unique thing to film all right yeah. i got a question i got a question so um where do you like to be in front of the camera or behind it most of the time that's kind of a complicated question i don't find being the camera i can talk from the camera comfortably i can post your pictures I have a lot of experience with that and that's okay. But when it comes to like filming something and this is where I start to like feel like I'm thinking like a dictator or something. Like I want to make sure it's filmed right. And there's, right. there's a, if it's just like a phone clip or whatever, big deal. But when it comes to like filming something at like a higher quality with my actual like professional gimbal and camera, like I want to be the one behind camera to make sure it's right and film yeah. the way I want it to look. Because I don't, I don't like being the guy that's like barking orders to people saying like, no, can't film this this way, whatever. I don't like, I, I don't want to be the one just directing people. 
yeah. Uh, well, it's always got to be a director, though, right? For that, <laughs> videos are less because I'm just like filming more instead of working on my own line. Totally mm-hmm. get it. Which is fine. Like, you kind of have to get used to that at some point if you're going to be the one making content. You kind of have to take a back. Like, you're either filming or you're training, but doing both, you're going to get a half ass version of each. And you're not going to enjoy either one. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You need, need oh. to be able to switch off with, uh, with someone else. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I, I've learned that too in training. So, like, I, I was very stickler to myself, like, behind the camera, like, oh, I need this shot from this angle and I need to get multiples from this and that, you know, and work hard, drill it hard, drill it hard. But then, like, now in my, I don't know, my early, later years, I give my camera whatever over and, okay, this is a single shot. We'll do it once or twice and then that's it. I just, I don't even look at the film. I just like, whatever. Like, it's got to be good somewhere, you know? And if not, I'll come back another time, right? Like, I don't, I don't take it personally anymore. Well, I filmed, it's a lot of stress I, off. I film so much stuff with, like, the community around here. Like, everybody knows kind of how I like to film things anyway. Awesome. Like I, I trust most of these guys to just hand them something and they can film it. The hard part is when you start dealing with more like specific gear. Like right now, I've got my my gimbal right beside me. Yeah. Wow. I have to like train people on how to how to use it to get get yeah. the results for them. And that's I'm still not good at it. <laughs> Tom's good at it. <laughs> yeah, we got a uh, one of those. Uh, what is it? A DJI one? Yeah. Oh, the, the uh, Osmo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one of those too. And then you oh, have, nice. uh, what's the other one there, Tom, the 360? Oh, yeah, we got a, one of those 360 cameras. Have you used uh, 360 stuff yourself? I haven't edited any, but uh, Gavin here has uh, a 360 GoPro. Oh, yeah. We filmed a little bit of content with it, but we haven't like gone full on on a, like, an edit for it. But we, we keep talking about it. We want to. Now that I've done a little bit with 360, I... They're they're so fun. They're so great. Like you can just change the angles and get in wherever, zoom in, zoom out. It's mm. it's kind of a. You'd think that'd be more of a game changer because if you had told us about that like ten years ago, the filming parkour video, that would have blown yeah. our mind. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't have to like get that perfect shot anymore. Mm. You know, as long yeah. as you're like in an area, you can. And like, even though it's. Through, on a tripod you can still make it look like a fully filmed handheld shot just by the way you edit it later mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly so uh with for any people that are interested in getting into photography or video stuff in in parkour is there any steps you would recommend to people to take like video maybe certain skills to learn or equipment to use equipment wise like now's a better time than ever because everyone's got a 4k camera on their phone at this point and the cameras themselves on the phones have some pretty decent built-in stabilizers mm-hmm. yeah. like, don't wait around for a camera if that's like your hurdle just start filming stuff with your phone um i filmed and edited an entire video with my phone last summer all in 4k <laughs> and stuff it turned out awesome yeah so that's, that's really awesome so like you don't need a ton of gear um, as far as like concepts, this is something I'm guilty of. So overcomplicated. <laughs> I don't like, I'll try to plan a video for like two months and then I just get sick of it. Like, yeah. just film, like, just film. 
Don't 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 overcomplicate it. You're not Stanley Kubrick. You know what? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> Throw down right on. That's like, how I feel. Some of the best videos that come out were just filmed like fairly casually. Like a a good a video with well filmed parkour moves are always going to perform better than a video that just like has nice cinematography, but it's kind of slow and boring to watch. No one's going to mm-hmm. care. You're going to lose your viewers too fast. Are there any like general rules you follow when uh, editing a shot or filming? Like for uh, close up shots for parkour or far away? I prefer a little farther away, but it also kind of depends on like the tone of the shot, the video you're going for. Like right. sometimes, depending on the music I'll pick, I'll just film something like handheld and chaotic style. Mm. Like don't put a lot of thought into how it looks, just getting the, the trick itself. But in general, like let the moves speak for themselves. Like you don't need complicated camera angles. If you go and watch any of like the best parkour videos, like the highest produced ones, like Modus Project Soul Destroyer or whatever. Yeah. If you watch the moves in that um video, they're not complicated camera moves. The camera moves very subtly, but the moves do all the action. The camera just captures it. You don't need to like make it too fancy. Like let the moves do work for you. Hmm. Um, sometimes I kind of like to edit to the music. Mm-hmm. So like, I usually have a song in mind for what I'm going to use first. That way right. I sort of film in regard to that song. Like editing on a beat, that kind of thing. Right. But like, there's no real rules. It's, it's completely trial and error. Like you got, you just gotta, you just gotta start making stuff. Yeah. Basically. A lot of just putting it, put in the time, play around with it. That's, that's, it. A, that's the time. Yeah. I got to give myself a time limit because I, if I go for longer than 20 minutes, I know I'm gone. See you later. <laughs> I'm gone. Like, I'll be just sitting editing, editing. And I have to get those special blue glasses. Edit, edit, edit. You know, miss days. I, but I, yeah. You're spending a lot of time editing. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> amazing how fast time mm-hmm. goes by when you're editing, actually. Yeah. yeah. Nuts. It's like... Uh, re- I did a very like recently just a short edit and the whole thing was like the fu- final thing was like three minutes but the recording time was like three hours and it probably took me actually like four or five hours to edit yeah that's what I was talking about yeah. we, we recently made a, a video about what shoes are good for parkour yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, kids, kids always ask us like, "What shoes?" Yeah, oh, yeah I know what oh, the yeah. shoes are going to make. You and like, and kids, a lot of kids, if they don't know, they just show up with like the worst possible shoes. It just it just makes the whole learning process more difficult. Yeah. So oh, Logan sure. and I came up with this idea. We, we like between him and I, we probably have every parkour shoe. <laughs> like we just buying shoes. Right. So we just brought all of our shoes together and put a video together with like mm-hmm. our current lineup of favorites that our coaches use and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And. It maybe we spent an hour filming it at most. Yeah, a lot of information and the video itself is like fourteen minutes long. I think that took mm-hmm. like, 20, like twenty to thirty hours to edit. <laughs> yeah, really? Oh man! <laughs> like, like I film everything in four K now because I've upgraded all my gear. Four K. Oh yeah. And then just I now have like a few years of actual like professional video work and editing behind me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like things i've done so now i kind of like i put that towards my edits now which to my detriment takes more time but yeah probably uh just tone it down (laughs) 
sometimes you just got to go like 80% and then put it out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I want to get into all the Empire stuff, but before that, um, with your current, you know, training for, your, for yourself, do you have any, any goals that you're working towards right now? Nothing super specific. Um, my training over the winter kind of dwindled a little bit. Like I had a couple of bales, so I was like out for a couple of weeks at a time. And right. then just overall winter sadness. Yeah. Yes. Just, like your body just hurts all the time and you're just cold. <laughs> Only people in the prairies will really understand. People don't that. understand. People don't <laughs> yeah. understand. Like if you don't know, like we were probably one of the coldest places on the planet for a couple of weeks this year. So like, that's how, that's how bad it gets you. It's bad. Um, as far as goals go, um, so we have like a graded class system here. So starting from level one, is like beginners level two, three, four. And then we have a level five, which is like mostly just for like the most advanced athletes. Right. And, our, and so far only three, three people have completed level five. Three of our coaches, Jordan, Logan, and Caleb, all completed it. Yeah, of course. So I'm, kind of, I'm kind of like slowly picking away at challenges on that on that list. Oh yeah. Like, because like each one focuses on like a specific skill. Like one will be like a a big lachet or something. So I'll spend time like drilling that technique specifically to work towards that challenge. Right. I, I used to go out training with like really specific goals. Yeah. And if those goals weren't met, then they just get pissed off. Yeah. Right. I I don't do that anymore. Like. I'll also my most of my training is like kind of drill based these days, which mm -hmm. is kind of boring to watch. So I also end up just not filming it because no one wants to see me drill a precision like thirty five times. <laughs> right? No, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm trying to like introduce more line building back into my training. We do like a team training thing usually on Saturday nights if we're up for it. Right. And, awesome. Uh, Try to put, put some lines together. We've been filming a, like a team training video over the last couple of months. We're going just like a bunch of lines together. Yeah. And we're getting close to finishing filming for that. So I've been put a, I put a couple lines together for that one that I'm pretty happy with. Oh, I like that. that. I can't wait to Looks see forward it. forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> with, uh, you know, the old school way of training, how we would do like almost single moves at a time. Yeah. Did you find it harder to like, get into that line building kind of mentality no i in fact when i found out that that was kind of like an alternative way to train i was like why didn't we do this sooner <laughs> <laughs> like i'm so used to doing moves like my endurance is crap oh yeah yeah so, like, so after that europe trip i mentioned earlier like i came back and line building like line-based training became like my my go-to mm -hmm. i would do, like drills to warm up i would do like 10 pre's here, 10 jumps here, and that would kind of be my warm up. And then right. I would go on uh, like putting lines together. Okay. And that was like my preferred way of training for a long time. But then as we started building the gym, like my time for training was really low. Right. We had the gym built. So that whole summer, yeah. I barely trained. Yeah. And like I regressed a lot there. So just like going back into my old, old habits, I'm like, I'm still working at it. Yeah. So at least it's easier to kind of get back to something. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, 
for the future do you plan on on getting more like back into like just the pure athletic side of things like training training more yeah like with summer coming up i plan on training a lot more hopefully yeah um we'll be running a lot less less stuff in the gym this summer last summer was kind of crazy because we were closed for two or three months for covid and we came back in june but we were like we were pushed back a couple of months so that session that we had to shut down we just moved over the summer and it was just three of us myself jordan and logan running classes like every single day until like 10 o'clock at night which left like no time right. for training yeah um but we're just gonna be running summer camps this summer and those just happen like during the day monday to friday yeah so like weekends and evenings are going to be completely open for training so i'm hoping to just kind of go for it this summer sweet do you have any any particular skills that you're going to be working on then any uh, dream, dream skills <laughs> well, like, a weird side effect of opening the gym was i pretty much just stopped doing flips Oh really? Okay. Yeah, like I just come. I just immediately started focusing on like parkour specific skills. Right. Which so my tech, my technique for all those things got really good, and like overall, like I just got stronger. But then my flip techniques just kind of disappeared. So I've been drilling a lot of flips, a lot more so lately, trying to get them back into the habit for summer training. Yeah. Like flips just hurt. Like flips just (laughs) sore sometimes, you know. Like um, I can do, I can do, I can drill a single precision for like an hour, but try drilling a single flip for an hour. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, it's well, different. Yeah. yeah. It's totally different. Unless there's a trampoline involved. <laughs> but even still, like that's a lot of conditioning, like pulling your knees in and doing the tuck and spotting. Like, yeah. There's a lot more elements involved with a flip than just going for a stride precision. Yeah, so let me ask you this. Like, in your younger years, you're, were you going for bigger things, for, like, grand grand movement rather than, uh, you know, slower as you get older? I never really went for, like, huge stuff. I didn't really care about huge high drops or big gaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was always just trying to make my movement look as clean and efficient as I could. Mm-hmm. And I guess especially back then when I did a lot more flips, like, making the flips... I guess look look effortless was yeah. the goal because no one wants to see someone struggle to do a flip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, you barely made that. Yeah, because then like you can kind of fumble a jump and people <laughs> might not notice. You can kind of like figure your way out of it, but like absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like only one way to land. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty. Yeah. So. Do you find that um, you have to spend a lot more conditioning time versus like actual parkour training time now? I was going to ask you that, uh, Tyler. You took the words right on my mouth. <laughs> I I do spend more time conditioning, but I don't know like if that's a a result of getting older, if just like a lifestyle change. Like I started weightlifting more seriously like four or five years ago. Yeah, it's more just as a supplement to parkour and just something else to do. Um, but now I find like if I don't lift weights, I just or I, I even exercise. It doesn't have to be weightlifting necessarily. I'll supplement body weight stuff as well. But I feel like if I don't do it, I just don't feel like as complete or as strong as I would otherwise. Hmm. Yeah. I, like, I know. Per- weird. 
Personally, I, I probably feel at this point, I'm it's probably like a 10 to 1 ratio of conditioning to actual parkour training. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> Mine's it's a like, little, little closer than that. Yeah. And we're like, I don't know. Conditioning to do parkour. <laughs> yeah. Like on, on a good day, I'll, I'll come to the gym early before coaching and I'll lift some weights and then do some training. Mm-hmm. And that actually find that that keeps me going a little longer. Like I'll have more energy throughout the day. Right. But I used to separate. So we have like a weightlifting area at the gym here, but I always found that if I weightlifted, then I just wouldn't do parkour. So mm-hmm. for a while I separated them. I would go weightlift at a different gym and then I would come here and do parkour. So they were right. And that is like kind of my ideal schedule, but COVID made that a little more difficult. Yeah. So I just haven't gone to any other gyms in a while. So I just make more time for it here. Right. So Tyler, what is your favorite move? Like if you're gonna do something in a line, you're gonna add it. Boy, I don't know. I know it's a tough one. Like so far, I've been letting the spots I'm training at kind of determine the moves I'm using. So the last couple lines that I've made, I've been forcing myself to use bars more, whether it's like for footwork or for swinging. Good for you. So my last two lines that I put together the last couple of weeks have just been like focus down rails. Um, mm. For a while, if I can't come up with a line, I'll just ask somebody here, like, give me two moves. Back oh, wicked. Awesome. Or no, I'll say, give me one move and a spot that I have to touch. So that was right. like, like a fun little challenge for a while. And it got me doing a couple of things that I normally wouldn't thought of. Like, Jordan gave me one of his reverse fault bar. So I had to do reverse fault mm. on a bar, which I'd never done before, I don't think. At least not oh. in a long time. And it actually, like, got my my brain working to come up with this like a line i was actually pretty happy with i've never <laughs> nice. heard of, that's really cool it's like taking a dice and rolling it and uh, yeah. Kinda, yeah. You, yeah that's really neat or I, so I, don't, I don't really have like single moves i work cool. on i just like i work on a spot more yeah and then the spot the spot will sort of like open up as i get more comfortable using it yeah right on i yeah. agree with that yeah 100 get a like a parkour move generator just hit a button and it'll you. Joey Adrian made one. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's still around, but you can come up with some ridiculous combos. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I think you could set like a difficulty level too. So I wouldn't pick like Kong Gainer Breeze or something. <laughs> Get a roll of wheel. Which move is it going to yeah, be? No, yeah. <laughs> Have it out of jail. <laughs> Bring out a wheel. <laughs> um. Are you dealing with any injuries right now or any kind of ongoing problems? Yeah, you said uh, at, at this moment, I'm good. Uh, I shinned myself really hard, like, <laughs> months ago. Yeah. Like, hard. Oh, this, no. This ended my shin now. Um, so that one sent me back a couple weeks. Yeah. yeah. Um, just like joint pain. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I got yeah. sore right now because I've coached six classes in the last 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like in general, I feel like I'm probably in better shape now than I've ever been. Like, I've got my conditioning routine down. Um, my recovery time between lifts and training isn't as long anymore. Like, right. it was over the winter. Like, I just wasn't training as often over the winter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I would train once and I'd be done for like five days. <laughs> now, be good. I could probably train like the next day or two if I needed to. Yeah. <laughs> In general, I think I'm, I'm pretty good. No, like, major injuries to speak of at the moment. Good, right Nice to hear. 
it's amazing how uh how much of a workout actually coaching classes can actually be hey coaching makes me more tired than any training session mentally yeah yeah, yeah. although like the opposite of that is true too like if you teach a really good class oh i love it, it amps you up too like yeah you know moves that you've been working on like that's, that's as exciting as training for myself do you know what when i uh sure. when i would coach i'd be like are, are the kids ready for me because i'm gonna i have too much energy like i'm gonna you know burn them out kind of thing right it's like <laughs> how dare they come in here without a chocolate bar beforehand you know, kind of <laughs> but that's my goal it's like i'm a vampire i'm gonna suck their energy and use it towards the next class kind of thing but uh, yeah i really like coaching it was it was really tough like i think i grew so much coaching you know like reading a certain situation or a struggle with myself or um one of the the kids or students mm -hmm. i thought i learned a lot more about parkour once i started coaching too like mm -hmm. watching somebody else perform these moves but analyzing how they're doing it like yeah helped me figure out how all these things actually work mm -hmm. that was like not something i actually expected like, i didn't know that would happen like subconsciously mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you always have to, you have to be able to explain a move in like, you know, two, three or four different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or like figure out what's the one thing holding the student back from completing this move. And, and oftentimes it is just one little thing that can make mm -hmm. it. <laughs> yeah, that was perfect timing. <laughs> <We could. laughs> do, you, do you find that like students have more of a more trouble physically or or mentally with challenges that could go either way yeah like some kids have some kids have the complete drive to do it but are completely limited by their size like you're five years old and you don't have any muscles yeah, yeah. right but then some kids are just they don't understand the move or they're just scared of it it, it mm -hmm. wildly differs between each kid even between siblings, like we'll we'll teach a yeah. lot of like siblings in the same class, and like one kid will completely take off in this direction, but the other will go in this direction. Oh yeah, yeah. It's funny how that can happen with siblings. It can be com wildly different. Yeah. <laughs> with with training, you know, students like physically, it's you know fairly straightforward, right? Like you know, can get them to do this exercise, and I'll get them better here. But someone you come across a student that's particularly afraid of something how, how do you approach that with them it depends on the move or like the severity of their fear i guess but i usually just find another way to relate that movement like right. i don't know if it's like a precision they're scared of like move the precision to somewhere smaller or shorter the technique for the precision is always going to be the same it's the distance and the height that might change Right. And that's just like a really basic example. But like yeah. all the moves we teach, like for example, level two is probably like the last level where they learn like all the fundamentals. Right. But then those skills they learn level two can be applied to every other level after that. It's just the, right. it's just scaled up differently. Right. So usually, at least in my experience, I find when you show them a move in a different scenario, they understand that that's the same skill. Right. It works in different ways. So it's all about uh, just changing the dynamics of that situation, mm -hmm. scaling things down a little bit. Yeah, and 
it's again it varies per kid. You might have to scale yeah. really like in one class height can vary wildly between kids. Mm-hmm. And like this kind of changes how you have to True. put the lesson together too. True. Yeah. We've we've uh, come across that too, Tom, hey. Mm. Like oh, yeah. some yeah. some kids will just be giants for their age. Meanwhile, like you know, the other kid hasn't got up to that spurt, and they still give her these little ones. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's great. Like if they're like that and they haven't hit their spurt, like more power to them. Yeah, as soon as, soon as they grow into their bodies, it's <sighs> amazing. Yeah, I, uh, I'm. I mean, I, I I always see like like you guys are posting a lot of content from your classes on your mm-hmm. Instagram and stuff, and it is wild to see such, you know young kids who will now have been in parkour for their whole lives. Yeah. You know, like they're going to be doing some wild things. I started. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like already full, full grown people. I was like 18 or 19 when I started. (laughs) These kids are doing moves that I couldn't do as an adult. And they're like four years old. Um. So, mouth's a little dry here. Need yeah, let's water. take a sip. <laughs> um, so having Empire Parkour that's obviously a huge deal. I think not just locally for you guys, but you're one of the only gyms in Canada. Yeah, one of the one of a few. Yeah. So, how, what kind of impact do you think that's had for Saskatoon? It was kind of hard to tell at first. Like, we weren't really sure, like, where we fitted in, like, the landscape of local businesses, right? Yeah. Um, and even, like, in the first six months, we didn't really, you know, like, kids would be coming to classes. That's kind of be, that'd kind of be the end of it. When the, as we've gone on, like, we start seeing kids like, walking around the city wearing Empire shirts and, like, going to yeah. River, going to River Landing, like, our, our big training spot mm-hmm. outside. Um, like seeing kids I I don't know that are now doing parkour. Awesome. Um, it's it's spreading pretty organically. Like we haven't had to do a ton of marketing on our end to educate people on what we do, and there's nowhere else to go to do this. Yeah. So like, it as as far as like impact goes, I think it's just another outlet for for kids to like move around in. We get a lot of parents, kids who maybe deal with ADHD or on or on the spectrum in some capacity, who have yeah. tried every other activity they could to get their kid engaged, yeah. and nothing not worked. But somehow, parkour works. Yeah, and like we hear this a lot. Like, yeah. yeah, we have a large group of kids that are dealing with ADHD, whatever. Yeah. And like, be the thing that works, and it makes them happy. There's something about it, hey, like. That, that yeah. individualized just movement it, it, and it, it's weird too because it's not a team sport but it's so community based it's yeah. ridiculous it's, it's the coolest thing hard to explain people mm-hmm. don't that aren't really involved in the sport but like i don't know it's it's it, so non-competitive even though there are competitions you're still you're always cheering on for somebody like you're, you're not trying to let beat someone so therefore you're not gonna be like made to feel like you lost in some way. Maybe everyone's just kind of there to, yeah, to help help like, each other. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you notice this when you live here, but like Saskatoon and the prairies in general are pretty slow to change and adapt. <laughs> it just it just 
that's not even like a dig. That's yeah. Like no, it's that. true. Yeah. I'll take it as a dig. It's true. <laughs> I mean, a small town kind of mentality is like that, right? Like totally. Yeah, and like, and like it's not a like it's a small city, but we have over a quarter of a million people here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it still takes a while for things to like sink in here. So our big thing was just trying to educate people that parkour is not dangerous inherently. I mean, yeah. we're yeah. involved in parkour, but like we're not climbing buildings and doing crazy stuff. You're not just always running away from police on rooftops. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. That's why, why we have so many of those videos of kids doing parkour to show that like. Anyone can do this. Like yeah. these are real kids just learning how to move and use their body. That's, mm-hmm. that's all we're teaching here. Mm-hmm. And we want we want people to do it safely and learn how to control their their bodies and gain better awareness in their yeah. actions. I think it's it's super important. Like it'll it's just going to help kids even if they don't want to stick with parkour. The kind of like mind body connection made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're so, I feel that for so like. Good adults too like for myself i'm like older than you two and i feel like the mind body connection can fade over time it depends oh, on sure. your lifestyle but like mm-hmm. still being active in it I, I think like it does keep you young it does keep you active it does keep your like brain flowing kind of thing and you never lose that parkour vision you know what i'm saying yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> do you guys have a good uh ter- like reception with adults then do you have Older yeah, people yeah. in classes. Uh, pre-COVID, we did. We were running like adult drop-in classes. Awesome. And, like, also, occasionally come check it out. We had to stop running anything like open gym or drop-in based. Mm-hmm, right. Well, until COVID settles down, mm. uh, we still get some like attention from adults asking about it and wanting to do it. So that's still on the cards for the future. Good. Actually, right. shortly, shortly before COVID hit, we were about to announce like a parent and kids workshop day. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Of parents to come with their kid and actually try some of the moves their kids are doing and they can do it together. Yeah. We, we still want to do that when we can. It's just not on the cards at the moment. Yeah. But hopefully in the fall, things are a little more. Those are interesting ones. Like I have done those in, mm-hmm. in the past. And it's very interesting to see the, like, how adults can obviously do certain challenges way easier, but then some kids can do some other ones. I, I, easier. <laughs> I, I found that adults are are way more affected by like fear the fear side of parkour than kids are yeah kids kids will essentially give themselves a countdown and they just do it or they won't but then mm-hmm. they'll go back and forth on it for a while or contemplate why they're not doing it or try to figure out why it's difficult yeah. and there's a little bit more of a barrier to entry for adults obviously because like yeah. The risk of injury might be a little higher or like the the consequences of an injury are higher. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like I think that's it. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um my goal I like initially when we open the gym, since I'm like the old guy around here. Like I want to show <laughs> I've had people younger than me say, Oh, I'm too old, I'm never gonna be able to get into this. Yeah. Nah, you just gotta you just gotta put some time in, you gotta try yeah. it. Yeah. You're that's looking exactly at it from the it. outside. And if from the outside it does look intimidating. Like I'll totally admit that. Especially when people have been doing it for so long and make it look so easy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it took a lot of work to make it look that way. Yeah. So it would be it would be cool to get more adults involved in again. Even some parents. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm all for that. I really I encourage everyone I meet to mm-hmm. do parkour. Um, I was just training the other day, actually. Me and Gavin were training and there was this this like uh 
Uh, he was like a caretaker. He was like cleaning up a yard for this building we were training at. And he saw what we were doing and was like asking about it. And he's like, oh, I can never do this. I'm too old. I'm 32. And I'm like, oh, I'm too. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's, they just have to get in and be like, That's not old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not, no. No age. There's um this uh uh site called PK Move, and that's all they deal with is uh, they call it PK Silver. So you do yeah, yeah. slower okay. movements, but still moving. But, I actually had uh, one of our students' grandfathers ask us about that. He saw that video. Yeah. Oh. And he, he like inquired about it. Like, oh, good. You guys would ever do? And I was like, we're open to it. Like, if you know people that want to try, like, let's awesome. talk about it. <laughs> Awesome. I'm so glad we're talking about it. Good. Because I'm all for that too. It's funny. Parkour is actually probably primarily best for young kids and then like seniors. Mm-hmm. They re- if you know parkour and like you can control your falls and everything or you're less likely to fall. <laughs> What's you know, the generation of old people going to look like? Like when we're all old. Like, <laughs> like, <it's> old people. <laughs> like after a lifetime of like parkour movement. Like what's gonna happen? What are these retirement homes gonna be like? <laughs> are we gonna have jumper gyms and stuff? Gonna have a set of rings <laughs> in I your can't room. Imagine what I'm gonna look like when I'm 96, still pulling Gonna <laughs> <up. laughs> <laughs> be in a wheelchair. Let me get out there. Oh, that's good. That was a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So parkour skills um are there other like lessons or kind of knowledge that you've learned through parkour that you try to impart on on students there uh something that we tell everybody is like progression is your progression is your progression so Mm -hmm. we have have a grading system with cards that kids can check off whatever skills they're learning but like it's not your skill isn't relative to someone else's it's only you right and a lot of kids get frustrated because like a friend of theirs might go up to the next level and they didn't mm-hmm. yeah try to remind them that it's a completely individual experience like the time you spent learning this trick while maybe longer than somebody else doesn't diminish the quality of it right in fact they might even make you better at it because you're spending more time on that trick you might understand right. that better in the future yeah right yeah so just the whole it's a marathon not a race kind of mentality and some kids right. are like in a hurry and they're really motivated by those check marks. But like, <laughs> like, but we're like, we turn that down right away. Like, if you ask for it, you're not getting any check marks. In fact, we'll right. just race. Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. You got to enjoy the process of it. Hey. Totally. Like, Absolutely. I'm sure you guys can relate. There's nothing more. Totally. I do. I yeah. like three hours on a move and you're getting pissed off and it's like the end of the night, you're losing sunlight. And like you keep saying one more try and your friend's getting pissed off to a film and you do it. And then finally you get that last one and you have like the best sleep of your life that night. <laughs> it, it's so and true. That, that's, that's something that's hard to explain to someone that's never experienced it. Right. So just drill it. We give kids like, like free time in classes too to just drill a skill that they want to work on. So like part of the class will be structured and then like the last, last little bit, go work on your own skill. Do whatever mm-hmm. you want. And of course, we'll be around to help them. It's not like a free for all or anything. Yeah. It gives them time to sort of develop their own style as well, which is still a thing in parkour. Yeah, yeah. I like in that. No perfect form. No, there is. All, all relative, right? 
kind of. <laughs> so with other lessons, knowledge there, do you guys care about it much or, or talk about, you know, the old school parkour philosophies? Hmm. Most kids won't even care. Yeah. How about like, yeah, right? with the, like, you, like you have older, like, yeah. teenagers and with stuff, our right? older guys, we'll talk about more. We actually, with like our 14 plus classes, we actually usually start by like playing a video. Mm-hmm. Oh, sweet. And we've got like a projector up on the wall. So we'll just, yeah. just play something on there. And like, we usually, awesome. pick, usually pick an older video or yeah. something new that's cool that just came out. We'll show that. And yeah. then we'll have a little discussion about it. But like, oh, that's great. That's as, like great. old school parkour culture, like, Kids don't care. They don't care about the Kalenjis and baggy sweatpants era. Also, yeah. a lot of these videos came out before some of these kids were even born. Oh, yeah. Like, they just, it just doesn't like click with them that that's what parkour used to be. Yeah. They don't make a difference, really. Like, a lot of their, a lot of the exposure these kids have to parkour is just what they see here. So, like, mm-hmm. the, the skills they work on here plus the video we have to be playing at the time. Do you, do you think the, that, that old philosophy of parkour? you know, like the whole be strong to be useful type thing is, is a relevant aspect of parkour to be passed on or is it just think, kind of outdated at this point? I think there are uh, versions of that, that should definitely be like transferred over, but it's really hard to talk about that with just, uh, without sounding so cringe. Like I remember <laughs> like the early days of like, uh, TK Gen or like most of their jams were just doing like QM on stairs, like up and down. Yeah. yeah and like and i remember watching a few videos from their classes and it's just like it's purely conditioning but those were like that's oh, like yeah. the pure form of parkour right right and that never clicked with me yeah and their whole be strong to be thing was like a big part of it yeah like being strong will help you be useful obviously but they're all like doing parkour isn't the only way to be strong like right. any exercise is going to help you with your your awareness and just how to use your body i think is helpful right. in the long run like martial arts gymnastics, parkour, whatever. Yeah. Anything that gets you using your whole body, I think is just helpful in that mentality. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, like definitely a lot of, say, emergency situations that, you know, doing parkour is going to help I've, you a lot more I've, than being a soccer I've, player. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially you know. anything like climbing related. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you see videos of people like climbing, climbing fire escapes and stuff when there's like emergencies going on. Or have yeah. to jump into some snow banks off a rooftop or something. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think it is a useful thing to maybe talk about. Like something I like to do is equate a move we teach to like a real world scenario. Like kids right. always have to, have to learn a shoulder roll on both sides when they're good at one side. <laughs> so yes. we say we always say like the bad person to be able to control which direction you're falling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, whatever you happen to be falling off, it could be a couch, could be some stairs, could be a mm-hmm. playground. Um, so you want to be, a- be able to toss these things out on whatever side you happen to be. Right. Yeah. Okay. You don't read with... You know, Go ahead. You know, a lot of the things we teach, we teach on both sides, just mm-hmm. so that there's no good side or bad side. So like strides, we'll do takeoffs on either leg, shoulder rolls, both sides, vaults on both sides. All that yeah, stuff. totally. I agree with that 100%. So you'd have that incorporated into your like on your checklist. That's like you? you can't check you can't check it till you do both. Do it off both. We'll have them like separated. So, like one side will be done, but they can't move oh, up. Yeah. yeah, right. Huh. I like that. Do you guys integrate 
flips then as part of your program? Sort of. Not more optional than anything because some kids just don't care. Some kids don't mm-hmm. want, to, but then yeah. some kids, like really want to. So we do try to give time for that. Um, usually starting in like level two, we'll start yeah. pushing that in. If kids want to learn it. Um, but it's not like a requirement of the curriculum or anything. Right. But if they want to learn it, like we definitely give them the the outlet to do it so that they do it safely. Yeah. These Sweet. kids will 100% just run and flip without any pretense. <laughs> yeah. That's no, so it. funny when some kids, like maybe one of the kids will do a flip and then the other kids will be like, oh, I can do that too. <laughs> Watch, I'll do it. It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That still happens. Yeah. yeah. We'll be right back to the CubeCast after this fat, lazy pre. Have you ever been outdoor training and someone yells, be careful or don't hurt yourself? By the raise of hands, I can tell this has happened to you. With the Sage Movement clothing line, this will never happen again. Quite the opposite starts happening. But don't take my word for it. Be twist over to sagemovement.net and get your streetwear. Use the promo code CUBECAST10 and get 10% off your order. Just a bit of a side flip. Now, back to Tom. You're, I, I think, almost known, maybe at this point, of being a big supporter of parkour brands. Known for spending a lot of money. Well, you spend a lot of money on parkour brands and clothes. Um, what about parkour brands that, you know, I could probably answer this question, but what do you like about that, about parkour brands? I think initially, A, and I should... <laughs> I don't even have that one. We're gone now. Classic. Uh, I think initially it was kind of like uh, an early way to sort of like take ownership of the sport. Like this, this mm. shirt means I do parkour. Yeah, I agree. Which is kind of like a vain way to think about it. It but, totally is. <laughs> but I was also a lot younger when I started mm-hmm. actually like actively looking at parkour clothes and buying them. Um, I don't know. It was just kind of a way like. That's our uniform, right? I, like, yeah. I, I think that was kind of how I thought of it initially. Uh, but then I realized, like later on, as I was talking to these brands and, and just seeing the people behind them, that this was about supporting them as well. Like, right. yeah. me buying a shirt from a small team or brand like just helps them grow, which mm-hmm. makes part or grow in general. Mm-hmm. So I always go into it with that that mentality. Like, I'm buying this to support parkour as a whole. Yeah. And then, like, in turn, I get dope clothing from it. Yeah. And it's, it's probably the only clothing you wear half the time is, like, clothing. <laughs> head to toe almost every day. Um, I also, like, it became, like, a really cool way to meet people online or even at a jam. Like, at a jam, someone will see you wearing, like, a parkour shirt. And I'll say, oh, cool. I didn't get that one. That's cool to see you in person, that kind of thing. Or, like, it just kind of becomes, like, a I hate the word networking. I hate it. But it, becomes like, it becomes like a like a point for networking almost. Like I've met so many people online, people I've never met in person, but people that I talk to online all the time just through yeah. buying clothes and yeah. actively taking pictures of clothing and yeah. being, being a shill for parkour brands at this point. <laughs> yeah. For anyone listening that doesn't know, should definitely go check out Tyler's uh, Instagram. And you have yeah some really great uh photography of i agree so many brands yeah, yeah that's an, like, i mean that's another thing that was sort of how i started to like stand out on my own as well i'm like a middling parkour athlete at best 
<laughs> so I'm never going to make my name as a high level athlete, but I was able to at least make somewhat of a name for myself by just making content and spreading the word on these brands, making re- my own reviews for these things and stuff. Yeah. Which, uh, and just telling people about it, like show up with yeah. the clothes. And that's like, I think really important for lots of brands because it is generally, you know, a, maybe just one person or a small group of people kind of making this stuff. And then it's a small team when there's, you know, an outside person now taking these kinds of pictures and reviewing it. It's like, can become such a huge thing for them. Yeah. Yeah. But then was like, I don't mind taking pictures and posting this stuff. And then they get free content out of it. And they post it. That comes back to me. So it allows me to grow my medias as well. Yeah. Which is probably where I sell like most of the growth on, on my platforms. It's just like, Awesome. sharing and resharing pictures yeah that's yeah sweet. when i saw you when i saw you do that it was like mad respect from my end of here like when you just put all your shirts on and just went for like a photo shoot i thought that was wow like cool right Get, like props to tyler like i haven't seen that <laughs> i don't know if i'm following many people but i haven't seen a lot of people do that just like prop out their shirts except for right. sunny Sunny up north and Puckettawagan and all those guys. <laughs> They're constantly buying stuff in store in three run. Yeah. <laughs> Single-handedly supporting three run still. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think purchasing so much Modus projects here. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> the community here purchasing it. Got Saskatoon put on one of their t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you helped uh, purchase one-tenth of their workshop. <laughs> I signed up for the patient for that too. Oh yeah, yeah. All I got special the, behind I got the, scenes. I got the paper certificate that says that. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> is it is it on the wall behind you? No, is it framed. No, that's, no, that's, that's Jordan's degree. <laughs> you got your doctorate in, <laughs> in supporting Lotus. Uh. So with these other brands, do you take things like learn things from them that you've incorporated into your own into Empire? Absolutely, yeah. I I mean, I've probably bored to death some of these guys just very constantly asking them questions. <laughs> but everyone's always been very like forthcoming with information. Like no one's no one's hoarding information here for their own. Like right. Uh, no everyone's, always been, everyone's been super helpful. Other brands have also been like really supportive and promoting us. Good. That's something I kind of want to do a little bit more with Empire. Mm-hmm. Like moving on this era is just like get a little bit more invested in the, the clothing side. Right. I, I'll put a gym first. We don't need to mm-hmm. rely on selling clothing like other yeah. brands. It hasn't been as big of a priority for us. Yeah. But, but getting into like that next step where we actually start like producing our own clothing would be really cool. That's something I've always wanted to do. Right. And I've just been like learning more and more about that process and like trying yeah. to find factories to work with that kind of thing so that's like no doubt and goals for empire yeah. building is to stop, stop just printing on stuff but actually like get our own stuff made <laughs> there it is there's another that's, 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 the first, that's the first dried shirt right there that's great i love it wow that's well, cool. And I, I think the one you're wearing is like the third or fourth iteration that i'm on the I, uh, I think right now. um i think Tyrion <laughs> has the second I don't have that one. What? I never got it. <laughs> well, Tyler, you're you have our support always. So 
Likewise. We got something going yeah. on. We're, we have something going on with you. Okay. So if there's something going on, we'll post it as well. So. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of t-shirts and everything, I know this has been, I don't know if you listen to a lot of other podcasts, but I the whole, know. whole, uh, how people, the community is so reliant on selling t-shirts <laughs> as a way of living. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that's, uh, you know, there can be more that teams can put out besides that? I, and besides coaching, I guess? Selling t-shirts is never going to no. give you a solid living. No. Like, it's not, solid. Like, like you got to do a lot. You have to sell a lot of t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. The t-shirt yeah. game. <laughs> um, I mean, coaching is a big one. Like that's yes. a service. Like, and that's a recurring, mm -hmm. right? You're always going to have repeat customers who then tell other people, tell their friends, family, which brings you more. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. you're looking to make money, parkour, make money off of parkour, like apart from just being an athlete, like yeah. being how to coach. And using that as an outlet is probably a big one. Mm -hmm. um, merch is another one, but that requires a lot of work, a lot of effort. And you got to get used to like pretty much shilling yourself out nonstop. Like you got to be pretty solid at marketing. Right. Who's going to buy your shirt and not buy Motors Project? Dead, that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, um, I like your shirt over modus project just saying um, <laughs> that one is so stiff this one i wear all the time because it stuff like that and we we like use clothing a lot to just like oh. wear it to school and other kids see it to like come here yeah and clothing's it, been more of like an advertising tool for us like but we it's don't, good it we cools don't make, you down it's not too we tight make, <laughs> we don't really make any money on our clothes like it was one percent right. Yeah, it's, it's almost year, nothing. Like, well, I bought we, two wow. shirts when I was there. We basically, so. we basically, <laughs> basically break even so that we can just make more clothing. Awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, Don't stop. But then kids wear that clothing to school. And so then... Uh, better to use uh, as a tool. Kids? <laughs> I think it's just, it's like part of the culture too. Like It is. It is. Absolutely. I want to make a ton of money. <laughs> like, nobody's making clothing for parkour for the same reason, right? It's just no. part of it. Yeah. Yeah. True. Right. That's yeah. like I mean any professional sports, they're gonna be doing Same that, thing. right? NHL jerseys. Selling jerseys. Oh yeah. And not like, their main income, but the markup on the merch that like sports team sells is ridiculous. Yeah. Produces, so the cost is way cheaper. Yeah. Even Modus Projects, who seems like they might have a huge operation. Yeah. Still just well people. Like yeah. every sale means something to them. Yeah. It's not like in the bucket. Yeah, I guess a lot of lot for you know people trying to make a living out of parkour nowadays, they have to do things like YouTube with their join things where people have monthly subscriptions. And yeah, that's, that's an option too. But again, that's that's like your time. You got to be on that content train. Yeah, like that's yeah, tough. Store releases one video a week on their YouTube. Yeah, but if you're on there, like. YouTube subscribe thing or their join or whatever. There's also yeah. an next video there a week. So they're producing two videos a week and one of them free. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That is, but then again, it's actually their so much work. Job, their full time job now. Is yeah. YouTube. Yeah. It's worth it for them to put that time into it because that's where they make the most of their money apart from like merch and whatnot. Um, are you, how are you doing for time, Tyler? And you got a couple more minutes, like five more minutes? Yeah, I got like another five or 10. 
Okay. Um, do you want to get to the uh, the bottom of the list here, like the? Uh, well, let's do. Person? We'll do maybe. I, we'll just quick bang out top fives here. Okay. Okay. Cool. If that's cool. I, I don't want to take you away from. I, I, I saw the top fives that I didn't like plan any. I was like, I'll figure it out. <laughs> good, good. 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 Okay. So since we're we're talking about brands here, let's yeah. just go oh. your top five. Favorite brands, oh, including, good one. including including Empire, or like you can include yourself. <laughs> Empire, Otis um, Project, normal brand, a solid, yeah. Frang, probably. Oh yeah, we're, we're talking strictly like clothing brands here, right? Yes. Well, and, uh, I mean, they seem to go hand in hand with. Uh, true. Um, I'd probably put Storm on there as well, even yeah. though there hasn't been a lot coming from them in the last little while. Yeah. The clothing that I do have from Storm is also like pretty top quality. Yeah, looks really nice. Cool. Okay, your top five athletes, people you like to watch or inspire you to train. Danny Ilabaka. Yeah. <laughs> there you yeah. go. He's pretty much always at the top of my list. Like your old age is showing. My old age yeah. is showing. <laughs> yeah, I had a kids don't know who he is. No. Uh, no, uh, that hurts. <laughs> yeah, he's he's constantly at the top. Like, he can show up and not have been in anything for like two years, yeah. and he's still as good as he ever was. Yeah, which is impressive. He just stay that good nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, this is hard. Uh, Ed Scott and Berkey. That last video was like revolutionary oh yeah, yeah. i like it it's not one of my favorite i know you can't hear them because i, I get can't the hear you guys <laughs> <laughs> no again i i like them but he's not something i can mm. like yeah you can't emulate him i can't i'm, emulate not, gonna I'm, I'm not gonna come you can't do that uh, you can't confront like, imax started re-watching a lot of Old school shade videos recently. Oh yeah, cool. you remember shade? Yeah, shade's a lot. Yeah. Um, like early on, he he was like super inspiring because his movement is like so clean and effortless, especially when it comes to flips. As far yeah. as like watching yeah. like a free running athlete goes, I put him on that list. Well, Max Henry. Max Henry, I like. I go just guilty. Mm. <laughs> but again, I don't know if I put that top five. Top five is hard. Very solid athlete, bro. Yeah. Uh, shit. Who am I watching lately? I know Jordan's really sour. A common one, and I would probably agree with, is actually Keelan. Oh, Keelan yeah. Ryan from Modus. Actually, you know what? I'd say George from Modus. Oh, George, yeah. Again, I, I, I find it hard to emulate his movement, but yeah. so seeing good. the way he does lips uh, is like incredible. Yeah. It's, Thought out. Yeah. So much just. Okay, ow, like ow. old school Phil Doyle. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Junk for days. Yeah. Um, God damn it. I'm trying to think of people that I've also like seen train in person. Because like nice. you don't, sometimes you can't tell how good somebody is until you actually see them in person. Right. Like some of the athletes I've seen train in person kind of changed, changed my opinion of them after I've. Oh, yeah. Went, like Mish, for example. Right. Seeing that guy move in person is like ridiculous. Have you ever met him? Yeah. Were you at that in the Toronto trip? No. Years ago? No. Yeah. When I went up to Toronto, to Toronto a few, 
quite a few years back. Yeah. Mad. Like, it's just, yeah, there's this, he's doing like stuff that no one else was considering, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just a big fan of anyone that can make the hardest moves look so simple. Mm. Right. For example, there's some weird out of this world stuff, but he makes it look so easy. And that's the kind of stuff I really enjoy watching. Um, there's no one's like style that I equate to my own really. So yeah. there's no that. Um, kind of just, right. And my top five changes. Yeah. Constantly probably. Like, yeah. It really depends on like what I'm working on at the time. Yeah. Well, so I, we'll I a shitty answer. <laughs> I will say though, it's, it's kind of cool now. Like it, that it is a struggle to pick a top five because years ago, there was like, no like there only was a top five. Top five, yeah. There was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's there's really lots. I, if I sat down for like an hour, I could like probably yeah. nail down a list. But then okay. I'm always giving someone a disservice. Jordan's got a list. <laughs> what you got here? What's Jordan's list? Like, Christian Kowalowski. Yep. Oh yeah. George George from Otis. Yeah. Keelan from Otis. Yeah. Murphy from Otis. Yes. Oh, that's a good one. Andy Wool. Andy Wool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, athletes Sick that, athlete. like, they are way too light on their feet. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are all very floaty and poppy, and I'm like, how do you just... How do you just float? How do you just float like that? <laughs> that's a good list. That's yeah. a good example. Kowalowski's another one I put there on, like, the flip category. Like, mm. all of my guys are more on the flip category, but float is, like, my actual... Yeah. Okay. Like, now tell Jordan that he's going to have to come up with a new list when he, when we have him on the show too. All right. You got to come up with a new list when they have you on. Right after this one. All right. Okay. So we'll wrap this up since you don't have uh, much time here. Let's do it. Uh, let's finish it off with a piece of sage advice. So what's Ooh. your sage advice to Oh my God! Or... Walk and carry a big stick. <laughs> yeah, what? I got to think about that. Uh, oh, wait, that's some good advice. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of something that I might say to like some of our students. In general, it'd be like, don't take it too seriously. Like, mm. we're here to learn, but we're also here to have fun, and parkour is ultimately a fun activity. Yeah. So, so don't let like the pursuit of progression slow you down. Just yeah. Go at it at your own pace and just enjoy it. Right on. Just keep the passion. Keep the passion, which is oh. some, uh, which is hard sometimes. Yeah. I'm going to become like your full time job. Yeah. It, it can be hard to do that, but yeah. like find time for it. It's always going to be there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People have to know it's okay to take a step back every once in a while and take a break too. It's okay to take a break. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Good advice. Solid. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, we'll thanks wrap for being it up. here. We know you got to run away and teach and do your thing and train a little bit. Uh, appreciate you being on the cast. Um, thanks, everyone, Tyler. follow Tyler at what's your um, uh, YouTube and Instagram? Oi, Oi Tyler. Just look up Oi, Oi. Tyler. Tyler. Yeah. I'll include that in uh, the description here, too. Good. Uh, yeah. Everyone should definitely look at all the stuff they're doing over at Empire. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. He's definitely a big inspiration oh, for me. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, I, I love seeing all that stuff. <laughs> uh, hopefully some new videos coming soon. We'll keep an eye on that. 
Yeah, we so, will. Okay, then uh, we'll say bye, everyone. <laughs> bye, everyone. Everyone. Peace. <laughs> Thank you.